The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell all sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up at UnderdogFantasy.com with promo code SGPN and receive a free $25 entry to use in Best Ball Mania 2 for a chance to win $1 million. And make sure to tune in to Draft Day on July 13th, where Ryan Kramer will attempt to draft for 24 hours straight. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Welcome in everybody to another episode of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host again, Rod Gomez. not live on location anymore. I am back in the home studio holding it down and I want to thank, big thanks to Adam for uh, putting it together and also uh, big thanks to Dan Titus for filling in again. Man, uh, I'm telling you, it was a, a good, I, I tell you, it would suck to be away, but I'm happy to uh, to actually be back in it and we're back in it. Hot and heavy with SGPN all over the place. We have got Scott Reichel in the hot seat today, and we've got Munaf Manji uh, doing the quality control. So, gentlemen, it's a full house today. How are we feeling? Doing pretty well. Looking forward to talking about some tight ends, especially with the Stanley Cup being on and the NBA Finals starting tomorrow. Why not talk about football two months before it starts? <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Because this is what everybody's after. They don't care about anything else, right? Yeah, sure. Football's where it's at, right, Munaf? Right. I mean, we're, we're so – I think Scott and I are used to having football – or sorry, basketball be over like mid-June, but we're now because of the condensed schedule or the schedule change, we're in mid-July. So I'm like, wow, it's almost uh, football season already. Yeah, unfortunately, man. I tell you what, though, I, I with Scott Fishbowl hot and heavy right now, there's a lot of football fans out there. And with it being such a tight end heavy thing, there might be some folks looking for tight end help if they the draft is stalled at 105 and they're waiting to get their pick in. This might be some valuable help because of Scott Fish's rules on tight ends. So we are going to talk today about tight ends, but not the ones that you already know. Look, you already know. You already know Kelsey. You already know Kittle. And, and you probably already know whatever else is up there. But these are the guys that are falling outside of those top major two or three that you already know about. And we're going to talk about them the way we always do, right? Three minutes on the clock. We're going to talk it down. Scott's going to give me his opinion on these. Uh, and then Munaf is going to come back and tell us where I got it all wrong because I've been gone for a week and a half and I'm out of the loop. So uh, if you are familiar, not familiar with the show, we are, like I said, setting the clock for three minutes. Once you hear this noise, see, board's already screwing up. Once you hear this noise, <laughs> That means that there's 30 seconds left. And then that means time is up. Wrap up your thought. We move on to the next. So once I learn how to use these buttons, we'll be good to go. So instead, let's just turn it over to you, Scott. We're going to start from tight end number four, as he's currently being drafted right now. Mark Andrews, Scott, what are you thinking about this guy? Are we reaching for him? What round are we taking him? Just give me what you think overall. But when it comes to the overall reaching, I think it depends on how you want to actually look at the other tight ends going before him. You mentioned two, of course, being Kelsey and Kittle. You didn't really mention Waller, but he's definitely going to be the tight end three there. Now, the question there is, is your league going to be very, very quick to grab some tight ends? And if it is, or if it isn't, Mark Andrews should 
would definitely be on that short list. To go through the numbers from last season, he had 88 targets, 58 receptions, 701 receiving yards with seven touchdowns. He did miss two games. So assuming he can stay healthy for a 17-game season, those numbers should be even better. Plus, he was great the season prior in 2019. 98 targets, 64 receptions, 852 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns. Now, I am going to be kind of throwing this back at you a little bit when my time is up. I do wonder if Bateman being drafted by Baltimore is going to impact his red zone targets because that has been definitely a huge source of his production. Uh, when you go through the numbers, again, 17 touchdowns in the last two years tells you all you need to really know, especially about the tight end position, which is pretty touchdown dependent the deeper you go down the board. So I like Andrews. I definitely think that he is one of the better upper echelon tight ends. Of course, not in the top three, but definitely the one looking out. You do have to wonder, though, about Lamar Jackson. I know that at some point people are expecting him to improve as a passer. We are waiting to find out when that's going to be because – I know he had the touchdown passes two years ago, but that was pretty fluky because of the lack of yards. And Baltimore is going to be in probably the top three in rushing yards. Pretty much every year, Lamar is going to be there. So the question is, is the play-action passing game going to be strong enough in order to get Andrews his touches and his yards? I think it should be. I'm buying on Andrews. I think he's definitely a reliable option. If you are not concerned by the durability issues last season, I'm not because he had no issues prior to that. So as a whole... I like Andrews a lot. Of course, he's not in the same stratosphere as the top three guys that we talked about before. But if you don't want to reach too early with a tight end, maybe focus more on wide receivers and running backs in the first couple of rounds, Andrews definitely a good place to stop by uh, just because of the fact that he's better than the other people we're going to talk about on this list. Well, and that's my question to you, because I know that the the running game for the Ravens is just so prominent that that's where I feel like this year, I think they're even going to step it up even more. I mean, I feel like they, they hit on something and they knew exactly what was going to happen. And, and now it's like, well, maybe we should just keep running the ball. And this is where Andrews gets left out because it wasn't like Andrews was killing it, really, really killing it. I mean, again, that drop off between the top three and, and Andrews is so, I think, huge that I would even wait farther on a on a tight end. I don't even know that I touch Andrews. I may even go down farther on this list that we talk about. That's fair. I know it is worth mentioning. He did finish fourth in points for tight ends. He still missed two games. So had he played those, the gap there between four and five would have been even larger. So I understand your point there, but if you're looking for a reliable option, kind of reminds me of a Greg Olson type, maybe a couple years ago where you know what you're going to get, but he's not going to be top two, top three is a pretty safe choice. Yeah, I mean, but again, like I said, I, I don't know that I'm touching him. I feel comfortable maybe going and, and maybe even tight end streaming if I'm going to wait uh, on tight end long enough and, and Andrews is sitting there, but there's other reliable options around. I may just uh, wait even longer for even a guy like this who may fall, who I don't know. Uh, this is where I want your opinion, Scott, and I'm going to start the clock now because I want to ask, is Kyle Pitts going to be better than any of the other five uh, tight ends that he's getting drafted after i would say yes but once again you do have to put the caveat of health in there because he did end up suffering a concussion in college last year now it was a pretty ridiculous hit and he was healthy before that but when you start hearing about concussions in college and now the players are going up against are stronger and faster and they hit a lot harder i do wonder if that's going to be an issue moving forward but i i for example do think that pitts might have more upside than andrews Andrews is reliable but pitts Looking at the fact that he's one of the most hyped tight end prospects of all time, he reminds me a lot of Vernon Davis when he was coming out of Maryland. But you're looking at college just for his numbers. Eight games, 
43 receptions, 770 yards, and 12 touchdowns. That's pretty good. Now, the durability concerns are there, but I have to look at the volume. And when it comes to tight ends, you're looking at just the amount of targets this person's going to get. With Julio being gone, you pretty much have Ridley, who's had his own injury issues over the last couple of years, and you have Pitts. Plus, is Atlanta going to be good? Probably not. So you got a decent amount of garbage time opportunities there in the fourth quarter of some games, especially in division because I'm assuming the Saints and Buccaneers are going to bury them repeatedly when they end up matching up. So I like Pitts a lot. I think Pitts, of course, is a matchup nightmare, and people have really been waiting to see what he's going to showcase, either in preseason or just when the season actually begins. I'm buying on Pitts if you want to go for upside and a tight end. Everything's kind of a gamble after the top three or top four, so Pitts is definitely worth, in my opinion, a look, especially in a dome stadium, so weather's not going to play much of a factor there. But you do have to wonder about the durability, which I'm sure a lot of people have not really talked about. Are you concerned at all that a guy who had a concussion last year in college is now going to be projected to have this huge stat line? I don't know if he can fully stay healthy for a 17-game season. Well, for me, I'm I'm wondering where the hype really is. I mean, I, I get it. I, I know the measurables. I've seen all of the I've seen the film that they post on him that shows. Well, he's a wide receiver and a tight end body. I get that, but I feel like we've hyped up so many people for so long in in this sport that like when they get there, it can't it, you just can't live up to the hype. And I almost feel like this is what's going to happen with Pitts is that he's going to get there and they're just going to tout him as the next coming, and we won't see it for maybe a season, maybe two, and then at that point the kind of passes you buy. You talked about targets, though. I will say uh, Hayden Hurst had 88 targets last season, right? So, I mean, he is going to probably get an, a decent amount of work, like you said, with Julio gone. Um, but again, I don't know what that's going to translate into. And I don't, we haven't seen it on the field. And yes, concussions in college, they're scary because they could happen very easily in the pros. So um, I don't know that I'm, I'm as high on pits as everybody else is. I just, I want to see it first. I'm kind of waiting to see the durability stuff, which is kind of what I was touching upon, but the targets are going to be there. And do you think Atlanta, after pretty much, I don't want to say punting on the offseason, but admitting they're kind of about to do a rebuild, you think they kind of go out of their way to give their new franchise toy a couple of extra targets for the fans to enjoy? I think they will. I think they're going to do it. And I think, again, we're going to see we're going to see something. I don't know what we're going to see, but we're probably going to end up seeing something. And again, this is for Dynasty. Yeah, okay, you probably are going to take a chance on him, but I don't know that I'm ready on a redraft situation. And if Pitts is sitting there as my second tight end and, and you know all the other ones have t- been taken off in, in a, like a Scott Fishbowl League, I'll do that. But I don't know. I'm still not really sold on him. Uh, somebody I'm really not sold on, so maybe, Scott, you may have to talk me into this guy, is Dallas Goddard. He's going tight end seven right now. I don't, you know, I look, I know the company line is to, to love the Eagles, but I, I can't do it. So uh, tell me why Dallas Goddard is is good. Please, Scott. <laughs> uh, well, you're going to have to ask somebody else because <laughs> I'm not on I'm not on Goddard either. Now, Goddard, the talent is definitely there. I'll give him that. Now, he had a pretty solid year last season, the last two years, actually, in 2020, 65 targets, 46 receptions, 500 plus yards, three touchdowns in just 11 games. So if you extrapolate that out, he was definitely on pace to have a huge year. 2019, 87 targets, 58 receptions, over 600 yards in 15 games. But I do wonder about the durability. He only played 11 games last year. And the biggest question mark I have with Goddard is the fact that he was supposed to pretty much take over as the tight end one because the Eagles were supposed to go to Zach Ertz, and yet Ertz is still there. So I'm not exactly sure if they're going to tell Ertz, even though he's been, I don't want to say a franchise cornerstone, but he's been around for a long time, listen – we need you to take a step back because Goddard's clearly better than you at this stage in your career. I kind of liken it to the situation in Chicago with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Komet's clearly better 
but you know Graham has the veteran presence and maybe they'll force him to end up getting some extra I'd say snaps that he probably doesn't deserve. So I think that's a bit of a question mark there with snap percentage for Goddard. I also got to bring up Jalen Hurts because we know how good he was when he first ended up becoming the starter. However, the last game that he had before Doug Peterson pulled him in that controversial game against Washington, he was 7 for 20 or 72 yards and one interception. Do I think he's going to continue looking that good with more film on him? No, because he showed signs of decline against the Cowboys the week prior. So if you have concerns about Jalen Hurts and you have concern about Hurts still being there, then I can definitely understand being hesitant about taking Goddard. The talent is there, but there are a couple of, I'd say, variables that you're a little bit uncertain about. And I know that we're supposed to root for the Eagles here. Spoiler alert, I am not an Eagles fan, so I'm going to be honest about it. I think the Eagles are going to have a long year. Now, I think that could pay off for tight ends or for weapons because of potential garbage time. But until I see Hurts do it with a larger sample size, I'd rather not gamble on an unproven quarterback. At least that's how I'm looking at it. What do you think? Yeah, this is one of those tight ends where I feel as if if I'm looking at that name and it's coming around to me. And again, even if there's like a number four receiver on the board, I feel like I'm taking that instead of Goddard. I, I, I'm more, I'm still more willing to stream or to take even one of these guys that we're going to talk about after the break it, it, other than Goddard because I don't, I just don't see the upside there for, for God. I know that term is always used, but I just don't see the possibility for Goddard to have a year that's going to win you a league. Maybe win you a week, but not win you a league. Now, the way that I, I would look at it was I disagree with you a little bit because you were talking about wide receiver fours going ahead of Goddard. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think Goddard's still going to be good. I think that he, maybe if you don't want to take him over a wide receiver three, of course, then I would agree with you there. But wide receiver four, that's more depth. I think Goddard could give you some quality weeks minimum. Well, somebody we're hoping that could give you some decent quality weeks and someone that the uh, Broncos, I was almost going to say Cowboys, what? I had been off for a week. <laughs> the Broncos are looking for uh, to have a good week. And especially if Aaron Rodgers is throwing him the ball, that's Noah Fant. Does his value shoot up from tight end eight? Should the Hall of Famer join the Broncos? Or uh, is he a guy that we're taking over a guy like Goddard? Scott, what do you think? Are we still doing the Aaron Rodgers rumors to Denver? I thought those died weeks ago. I but, don't know. Okay, either way. Fair enough. At least he tabled it. But to go through the actual numbers here, you mentioned Goddard, I believe, being tight end seven. I got Font higher. I just think he's better. You want to talk about the actual targets? You can speculate on what you think Goddard's going to get. Font got 93 last year. And I know that some of that came with Cortland's uh, son being out for the majority of the year after he got injured in week one. So I expect to take a little bit of a dip. But Font is just a really good tight end. And you could tell when he came out of Iowa, they had the measurables we talked about before with picks. Maybe not as athletic, but you get the point. He's a matchup nightmare and 62 receptions, 673 receiving yards, and three touchdowns in 15 games definitely tells you that he is a very, very solid tight end option for you. Now, you do have to wonder, though, is a lot going to be thrown on the ball? Is it going to be Bridgewater? Are both those options miserable? Probably, but he still put up good numbers anyway. I think that if you're looking at Denver, who weapons-wise might have a couple of decent receivers. Sutton's been good, but he had maybe one explosive year. I've never actually seen him duplicate that, so maybe not as high on Sutton if we're talking about receivers quickly. Font is just such a matchup nightmare in the red zone. i got to assume that even if the yards aren't there, he'll get a ton of targets in the red zone. They'll spread him out wide, throw a couple of jump balls, if not try to target him in the middle of the end zone. So as a whole, I like Font a lot. You're looking at Goddard, who I talked about previously. The touchdowns, he had three in 2020. Three in 2019, and Font had, well, Font had kind of similar numbers, but once again, I do think that the team started to trust him a little bit more as the season progressed. 
I think he'll be a pretty big red zone monster. And I think you'll see him boost those numbers to maybe five or six touchdowns. But once again, it's not a great quarterback situation. But Denver should be trailing a decent amount. So if you want to talk about some potential positive game flow, I think Font should benefit from that. In a PPR, yeah, I, I highly think that that might be a good bet because, again, like you said, if Locke is throwing from behind, but Bridgewater knows how to use tight ends too. I mean, that's that's not something he's he's unfamiliar with. So uh, I don't know. But again, this is another one of those names where I I feel like I just want to leave him to somebody else to to worry about whether or not he's going to have a good week or whether or not his quarterback is going to completely miss him and they're going to get buried and even garbage time points aren't going to make up for what you're losing in a tight end position. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm still so iffy on all of these other tight ends like we talked about at the beginning. It's all a crapshoot. So, I may leave Noah Fant alone to somebody else's devices. Well, the one thing that I do like about Fant's situation is the fact that even if Pat Shermer wasn't a good head coach at all, they brought him back as an offensive coordinator for the second straight year. So, he has some familiarity with the offense. They definitely know that he's a go-to guy especially in red zone situations. So I do think the familiarity should lead to a pretty consistent performance in comparison to last year. Well, time will tell. But I will say that the next guy we're going to talk about, he's going off at tight end nine right now. And I feel like this is a guy that I would take over the last three guys that we talked about. And that's Robert Tunyon. Uh, Of course, the Packers... I'm not even going to say, Scott, we're going to leave that. Who's throwing him the ball alone? Uh, But Robert Tunyon, I think standalone has value no matter who's tossing him the ball. He's a good, good tight end. Uh, I'd take him over either one of the two, but I don't know how you feel about it, Scott. What do you think? Well, I was on the show uh, taking some feedback from Adam a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned I'm a huge Tunyon guy. However, I have to mention the caveat, which is only if Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Now, I know that you're saying that he has value no matter what, and I do agree that talent-wise, he definitely has the talent to being a top six tight end in the league minimum, and I might be underselling it. But I can't draft him if if you have Jordan Love throwing the ball. I, I just can't do it. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Love apparently sounds like he's going to be decent, but are the front office and the people leaking the information supposed to say that their first-round pick is terrible? No. So I don't really buy into any of that actual news that leaked about him in training camp. The way that I look at it is that Tunyon is a monster with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. But do you really want to gamble on an unproven rookie quarterback who's being thrust into a situation in which he seems to be a little bit ill-prepared for? Now, once again, I'm not really judging this based on Tunyon. I love Tunyon as a player. I know you do as well. And I'm sure Munaf does because he's a great player. But I am looking at the fact that if you don't trust the quarterback throwing him the ball, I would rather leave him for somebody else. Now, you mentioned that argument with Goddard. And now you don't really trust Jalen Hurts that much. We talked about it with either Bridgewater or with Locke, I got to be consistent here. If I like Fant and Goddard, and I think that they might produce anyway, Tunyon's had one great year. I got to wait for him to try to duplicate that. And the drop-off between Rodgers and Love, I can't even quantify. That's going to be absolutely insane. So I'm going to pass on Tunyon until Aaron Rodgers actually reports to camp, or at least I know that he's still alive because I haven't heard from him in months, and I am kind of curious if he's going to report. I don't know if you think he's going to. I think he will maybe a month before the season or maybe middle of preseason. But until I know that for sure, I cannot gamble on Tunyon assuming that Jordan Love's going to throw him the ball. I have a feeling he will. I, I just don't think he's going to sit this thing out. I think he's played too long. I think he's he doesn't have a whole much left in the uh, tank for the game. So I think that he's going to sign and I think he's going to play uh, because it, it, what else? Is, I mean, I know other teams are probably out there trying to suit for him, but if it hasn't happened by now, I'm 
fairly certain it's not going to happen at all. We're getting too close to, to actual training camp happening. But what I will say is that I would be willing to draft Tunyon if he's sitting around in, I don't know, round seven or eight and grab a backup just in case. Because if I've got Tunyon and I waited that long, I'll grab a backup for him, a decent backup, and then maybe stream later. But wouldn't you agree, though, that the Tunyon, if you draft him a little bit too early, could implode if Rodgers ends up completely not showing up whatsoever? You know, there's a lot of picks that if you go too early or implode. I mean, I, I'm more willing to take a, a chance on a guy like Tunyon at a tight end position that is thin than, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to go back to a wide receiver. There are some team situations that I would just rather not get myself involved in, especially if you're drafting this far in advance about two months prior. If you have drafts that are closer to the start of the season, then maybe you can afford to do that because you'll have a better gauge of what Rodgers is going to do. But as of right now, I would let him be somebody else's problem. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him and speculate. But hopefully uh, that leads me because, you know, you got to take chances, right? I mean, if you got to take chance that Aaron Rodgers is going to take it. And if you're drafting now, then, you know, you're banking on that. that or and if he, he doesn't make a good trade for him. So, uh, all right. We are going to step away, pay some bills. When we come back, we're going to read down the rest of the five that we got. So uh, we'll be right back. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. You can get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, games, all kinds of stuff going on, including generous promotions, odds, parlays. It's all happening right now at WinBet. You can get started today and you'll receive a special offer up to $500 in risk-free sports bets. Of course, terms and conditions apply. Get the details right now at wynnbet.com and download the app today. And don't forget, we are brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. You right now can find the best odds on NBA championship tickets when you buy directly from other bettors on PropSwap. If you see a ticket that you like, but you think the price is too high, you think they're trying to get over on you, submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Every ticket you purchase on PropSwap can be resold at any time with one click of a button. And PropSwap gives you a suggested price tool too, so let you know how much your ticket is actually worth so you don't have to do any guessing. This week, a PropSwap customer sold a $200 12 to 1 Phoenix Suns championship ticket for $1,200. That's a nice little profit. Five times return for the seller and adjusted the odds for negative 160 for the buyer. It's better than every sports book in the country. So with PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It literally just needs to improve. So think of it like the stock market, but for sports betting. And if you use the promo code SGP on your first deposit, you're going to get up to $500 in bonus cash. So go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. Make sure you head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use that promo code SGP. You're going to get free $25. That's right. Sign up now. You get you a free shot at a million dollars. Turn that 25 into a million. I'll tell you, <laughs> Ryan Kramer, he's about to make it happen. Draft day. It's going down the 13th of July, 1 p.m. Pacific. Ryan, Real Money Kramer is going to be drafting underdog best ball teams. Forget this, 24 straight hours hours. You can hop on the stream and draft with Kramer and the guys. Plus 15 free entries to best ball mania will be given out. If that wasn't enough, there's a $500 draft day props contest based off of Kramer that only you can enter in the app. So download the app right now and sign up at underdogfantasy.com promo code SGP and 
The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. Look, it gives you easy access to all of our picks and our podcast, including this one. Don't forget also to leave us a app review and download the SGPN app today. Back with more of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. Scott Reichel and Munaf Manji. We are holding it down, talking about tight ends. Getting to the icky part of the tight end world where I know a lot of people are probably uh, don't want to find themselves this late. But I think there's some gems in here that could be the guys if you literally wait until one of the last rounds to take. Uh, and I know a couple of them are, are ones that I'm pretty high on. So we'll see what Scott has to say. And we'll start with Irv Smith and the recently vacated now number one tight end of your Minnesota Vikings. Scott, what do you think? Well, I'm getting a little bit annoyed because I'm pretty sure we agree about every single tight end we've talked about up to this point. Damn it. But I'm huge on I'm huge on Irv Smith. Now, am I, do I think he's going to be like a top five guy? Absolutely not. But I think that he has a chance to be a top 10 upside tight end, especially if you're going to be taking him later. I know most projections have him somewhere in the 11 to 13 range or so. But once again, you got to talk about volume. And the point is that last year, 43 targets, which is not that great, 30 receptions, 365 receiving yards, and five touchdowns in 13 games – only had seven starts. Main reason why, Kyle Rudolph. And Rudolph, despite looking like a shell of his former self, was still getting a ton of snaps. And then he got injured halfway through, and Smith definitely showed signs of being a key piece in this offense moving forward. Now, when it comes to Cousins, you can talk about how it maybe not is the greatest overall quarterback, but for fantasy, not that bad. And you want to talk about some weapons there? He's not going to get much defensive attention, I'll tell you that much, because he's got Jefferson and Thielen still there. Cook rushing yards could eat up a couple of, I'd say, opportunities there in the passing game. But on the other end, you can look at it from the opposite perspective, which is if you have to stack the box for the run, Smith will get a lot of one-on-one uh, one coverage, and he's very good at beating linebackers off the line of scrimmage. I like Smith a lot. I think that if you're talking about a situation ripe with opportunity and you want to take a late-round flyer on a guy, I think Smith has a ton of upside because Cousins has been known to kind of like tight ends underratedly. And Smith has a lot of athleticism that I think could separate him from the rest of the pack. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of snap, it's a lot of snap percentages and a lot of volume, which is why I like him. Because without Rudolph, I expect Smith to probably play in 80% plus of most games. Yeah, I mean, so he, he got 365 yards uh, last season, right, on, on 30 receptions. Um, my only concern with, with Irv Smith is that uh, maybe that – Kyle Rudolph served as sort of a buffer for Irv Smith and Irv was had good days because they were focused on Kyle Rudolph. So my concern is that maybe Irv Smith gets exposed for not being uh, a true number one tight end. And that's my only concern about Irv Smith. I'll still take a late round flyer on him for sure. Um, I'll, I've definitely drafted him in a few of my best ball leagues because, you know, if you're waiting that long and he's sitting there in the later rounds, of course I'm going to take him, especially if I've, I've completely passed on tight end up until that point so um you know i do love irv smith but my only concern like i said is the fact that maybe he's not what he's advertised and you took a flyer for nothing so my concern is the durability because he only played in 13 games last season so i'm wondering with the excess workload if he's going to be able to handle it but once again we're talking about late round tight end flyers here i think that we're going to talk about a couple more in a second but i do think irv smith has a lot more upside than some of the other guys we're about to talk about well, one of those guys we're about to talk about maybe took a giant hit in his upside. Uh, he now moves to a 
all of a sudden crowded tight end room uh, in New England. That's Jonu Smith. Goes from the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill to New England Patriots and the Cam Newton soon-to-be Mac Jones world. Uh, what does this do to you? And and he's tight end 15, Scott. I, you know, I'm still high on him, and I think he's got the job, but I don't know what you feel like. Um, this is where we're going to disagree, so we finally have something to talk about. But, yes. yeah, I'm not a big Jonu Smith guy. At the end of the day, I think Hunter Henry's better. Now, Henry has had a bunch of durability issues for his entire career. So if you are kind of banking on Henry to not last the full season, then I think Smith could have some upside. But then again, if that's the case, you might be able to just pick Smith up off waivers midway through the season. But looking at the overall situation for Smith, the last year he was pretty good, but he was very, very streaky. His stats were very top-heavy. He was great to start the year, then he kind of fell off a cliff, and then he kind of rallied a little bit to end the year. But you're looking at a situation where, you mentioned it before, you have Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton. That's a pretty huge drop-off. So if Newton, I don't know if he can throw the ball more than 20 yards. No offense, that might be a little bit too harsh. But the point is that Newton, I'm not exactly a big fan of at this stage in his career. And I think that a lot of people are not fans of him. And I don't think that's really putting it harshly. I think they're just putting it accurately. So I don't trust the quarterback. And I think that Smith, even though you think he might win the job, I think it could just be a 1A, 1B situation where they're just fighting with each other for targets the entire time. Now, the receiving core for New England's an absolute mess. So you can make an argument that since the receivers are going to get no targets, maybe both tight ends will eat together. I don't see that happening. I think you're going to end up seeing Johnny take a step back. Plus, not every tight end or not every position player is really good at immediately adjusting to New England's style of play. So I do kind of wonder if there's going to be a bit of a struggle making the transition from Tennessee's offense to New England's. But... At the end of the day, I think there's too much uncertainty when it comes to taking a flyer on Janu. I think there are other options that are better, especially other options with less crowded competitions for the tight end one spot. The question I have for you for a tight end one, or you know, just as a tight end 15 who you might end up using as a tight end one, or maybe a tight end two, you know, whatever. Do you, do you really want to draft a guy who you don't even know if he's going to be starting on his own team? I'll take it because if it's Jonu Smith and not just that, but look, he was in a, a and I know I said it before where it was like, oh, he was with Ryan Tannehill, but he was also with a guy named Derrick Henry who ate up so many touches that there wasn't a whole lot to go around to the tight end. I mean, you know, when you're throwing to the to the great wide receivers that they have there, Jonu Smith got overlooked, very much overlooked. In New England, I think he has an opportunity to reassert himself as a guy who can catch passes and can be that tight end that a Rob Gronkowski was for them, uh, where I think Hunter Henry, you know, he could play that other role, but I don't think that, you know, necessarily they've, they've got the opportunity. And I think John Smith is going to take that and run with it. And I think he's going to win it out. I think the main disagreement we're having is I think that Henry's better than John Smith. And I think you think the opposite. So I think we're kind of arguing about who's going to get more uh, benefits out of the partnership there. But at the end of the day, my question for you is, do you think Newton's going to start every game? No, would you rather have not. Mac Jones start over Cam Newton? Because I would, especially yeah. if I was a receiver on that team. I, I would highly think that we will see Mac Jones before. I'm, I'm, I'm setting the over-under. I don't know what the official over-under is, but I would say probably five games in. I'd say that we're That's looking fair. at that. Yeah, because they're going to get tired of him very, very soon. So, uh, so would right. you agree that it might make sense if you wanted to maybe pass on Smith now until Jones takes the job, and then maybe you can find him midseason? I mean, I, I maybe, but here's the thing. I think somebody's going to, I've seen people snatch him up already. So if you want, again, drafting is taking the guy you want, right? So if you want Jonu Smith, 
any if you have to take him before you take your defense or your kicker, that's where you're going to take a guy like Jonu Smith. If you really want him, because if you don't want to wait for waivers and and you think that see, he's going to fall and he's going to fall off the board and all of a sudden somebody snatches him late, now you're screwed. You may be able to as get him though. Cam Newton's throwing the ball. I'll let somebody else worry about him. But if Mac Jones shows up, then suddenly I might be interested. All right. Well, the guy that's throwing this next tight end the ball is a much better situation. Uh, we're talking about Jared Cook. He now moves from uh, <laughs> whatever the mess is that's going to be in uh, uh, New Orleans to the Chargers. Who He's got a pretty high-powered quarterback throwing to him. Scott, are you are you going to start taking Jared Cook late? Or are you going to try to to get him early? Where, where do you want Mr. Jerry, so you were Cook. mentioning Cook after we did Johnu Smith. I like Cook a lot more than Johnu Smith for the upcoming season. Now we're talking about volume. At the end of the day, it's going to sound like a broken record, but when you're taking gambles on tight ends, which is pretty much anyone outside of the top five, you need to make sure they're getting targets. And with that Chargers offense, now that Hunter Henry is no longer there, and we know how well Hunter did when he was healthy over there, I think Cook's in a great spot. And if you want to talk about how Herbert, assuming you're not expecting a sophomore slump, because they are going to be – Kind of switching up the offense a little bit with coordinators, et cetera. So you might worry about a little bit of a setback there. But Cook is a very talented receiver physically as a tight end. I know that he's getting up there a little bit in years. But as a whole, he has been relatively durable. I can't say that he's been 100% every year. But if you want to talk about the fact that he's had uh, he had 504 receiving yards last year, seven touchdowns, and the year prior, 700-plus receiving yards and nine touchdowns, it's the touchdowns. I mean, they jump off the page. We're talking about 16 touchdowns in the last two years. And if you think Herbert is probably going to go for 35, if not maybe a little bit more for touchdowns, I don't know how you don't like Cook because somebody's got to eat. And Keenan Allen's a very big yards guy. Is he a big touchdown guy? Not always. And Mike Williams should be, but he's never healthy. So I'm assuming that Jared Cook in red zone situations should have a lot of opportunities for success. Plus, I heard the weather in California is pretty good. You would know because you were just there. I haven't been there in years, but I feel like that's probably going to help them out a little bit when you don't have to worry about there being massive amounts of cold weather in November and December. True, true. But he did play in a dome for half of his season. Oh, no, so. So I, no, I'm saying that the drop-off shouldn't be that noticeable between the two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunny California. Um, I'm worried yeah. about his age. I'm worried about, you know, being 34 now. I, I'm worried about just the fact that, uh, you know, he, uh, to me, you're right. He is a good player. He is a talented player. But what I'm seeing is that he was a guy that benefited from having Drew Brees too. And Drew Brees loved him some tight ends because uh, he couldn't throw the ball down the field. So uh, we got Herbert who can throw the ball down the field. Now, if uh, Cook can actually run the routes like he's been able to before, some deep routes here and there, uh, I, I think that puts him more in play. But I don't think this is... With Hunter Henry gone, I think this signaled to to everybody that they're going to start leaning more on the running game that they've got and really just the, the talented wide receivers that they they have in there right now so herbert i mean he's bound to have you know four thousand plus yards again and, and now with an extra game um but i don't know that the tight end factors into this maybe i mean we'll see i guess right it, it might not but when we're talking about him compared to john smith and some other guys he is 100 percent going to be starting his tight end one week one so i like the certainty there with the job security and i do think that'll definitely give him a little bit of added value as a tight end two, if you want to take him as a late round flyer. Well, that's what I was going to ask. What round do you feel comfortable taking a guy like Jared Cook? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Do you feel comfortable? There, 
I'm a little bit higher on him than maybe you are, but I also, once again, just think that Herbert is going to find a way to feed a lot of guys on that roster. Well, I'm higher on this next guy than I am on Jared Cook, and I don't want I want to know why the hate for Eric Ebron exists. He's getting a tight end 24 right now. Doggone, the Steelers still use their tight ends, and if Big Ben is coming back, he loves him some tight ends, and Eric Ebron, I think, is going to have a bounce-back season. I think he had an offseason. All the Steelers, after their huge run, started having an offseason. Season, but uh, I, I love Eric Ebron. I want Eric Ebron. I may take him over everybody up to Tunyon. But Scott, what do you feel like? So we're going to disagree on this one. I'm not into Ebron, but then again, it's mostly involved in the supporting cast. I think Ebron's a fine tight end. If you want to talk about having a good quarterback to throw him the ball, the question is: Big Ben is he completely washed or only 75 percent washed? Because I don't think he's got much left in the tank. And if you want to talk about how they started off well last year. Yeah, the team imploded. So my question is, do you think it's going to get better with a new offensive coordinator and with arguably the worst offensive line in the entire league? No. Now, garbage time might play a factor there. Pittsburgh's not going to want to admit that they're going to be bad, but I think we can agree that they're probably the third best team in the division, or in other words, better than Cincinnati, but nobody else. So I don't think this team's going to be good. But if you want to talk about the offensive line, they got rid of basically everybody. Uh, they even cut a, uh, one of their Pro Bowl guards uh, about a week and a half ago or so. But Big Ben, I think he's done. I think that if you're talking about a guy who had the lowest yards per attempt in his career last year, he basically has a noodle arm at this point. Do I trust him to throw Ebron the ball downfield at all? The answer is no. Now, in PPR, he'll have added value because he can catch a bunch of dump-off passes and it will get you a decent amount of points. But do I think the yards are going to be there? No. Do I think the targets are going to be there? Maybe. But I do question how much Big Ben has left. And I do think Pittsburgh, for me is an absolute avoid-at-all-costs type of situation where I don't want anybody on that offense, regardless of what position we're talking about. Because that team, with a new offensive coordinator and that offensive line, I think is going to be painfully below average. And I don't want anything to get... I just don't want to step in front of that incoming car accident. But tell me, though, is is Ben Roethlisberger, even at, at 25% of Ben Roethlisberger, better than Drew Locke? I would say no. Personally, really, I don't think he is. I think Big Ben's dumb. Now, I I know that Pittsburgh fans are very passionate, and they're going to come at me with torches and pitchforks. But <laughs> if you ignore the garbage time in the playoff game against Cleveland, he was useless for about two and a half months. And I think that you can make an argument that even though he took a pay cut, took one for the team, he's only getting paid fourteen million dollars, even though he can't throw the ball more than twenty five yards down the field. But I don't think he's any good at this stage in his career. And until he shows me, especially after the arm surgery had a couple of years ago, that he's anywhere near the guy he used to be, which, spoiler alert, he's not. I'm going to avoid it, and I'll wait for somebody else to take over. The question that you'd have if you were going to go after an Ebron or even a, just anybody, Juju or anyone like that, do you feel better about Big Ben throwing the ball or Mason Rudolph? I feel like Mason Rudolph Actually, to be honest with you, I mean, I love I Big Ben, but I, I think Rudolph would definitely be a, a step up. We've seen him do some good things, and I, I just feel like uh, if they're going to move on, it might be time to move on this year. Uh, Let me ask you, so you were giving me a, a surprise look when I said that Drew Locke might be better, but you agree that Mason Rudolph might be better than Ben Roethlisberger. But I feel like thing? Mason Rudolph is better than Drew Locke, too, so I feel like, okay. yeah. Okay, that's an interesting caveat there, but yeah. what I'm trying to say is that Pittsburgh based on just the veteran status of Big Ben, they're not going to bench him. They're going to go down with the ship and until it's maybe too late or maybe he gets injured again. But as long as Big Ben's throwing the ball, 
I'm not going to feel good about it. If Mason Rudolph was, I'd feel better. But Pittsburgh is an absolute no-go zone for me. I want nothing to do with that offense. No fly zone. Uh, speaking, we talked earlier about Jonu Smith and the uh, position he vacated. The guy stepping in for him, going off as tight end 26. And I wonder if a tight end one on a team that just lost their really good tight end one, uh, how can Anthony Fersker not step in and be the kind of guy that Jonu Smith was? Uh, and, and how can he go so late? So I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Well, the main argument for why he's going so late is because they're afraid Julio is going to take a lot of targets that they might have gone to the tight end. Having said that, rating 20, tight end 26 is just a stupid rating. I'm, I'm not going to put it anywhere else. He belongs in the top 20. Solely based on the fact that there's volume, the fact that Tannehill likes tight ends, and the fact that he was pretty good in limited action as a backup last year. 53 targets, 39 receptions, about 400 receiving yards, one touchdown in 16 games, only one start. So, of course, the snap percentage was not there, but he showed flashes. And I do think that with the amount of volume he could potentially receive with the fact that Smith's not there anymore, I know Julio is going to be around. Is he the same guy he used to be? No. Are we sure Julio is going to stay healthy for more than 10 games this season? No, because he's had durability issues in the past. I don't think it's going to be that bad for Julio, but I do think that people are expecting Julio in a new situation to suddenly look like Randy Moss and the Patriots. I don't think it's that easy. I think I think he's going to have some issues. There might be some struggles there, especially with health, because Julio's been banged up for the last couple of years. And we talk about how Derrick Henry can take away from touches from anybody, but at the end of the day, he did just have 2,000 yards, and that play-action attack should be absolutely filthy. And we know that Ryan Tannehill is really, really good with play-action. So I think Ferkser should have a lot of options there. I think that he should be a top-20 tight end. Tight end 26, that's just... That's disrespect. That's, just, that's offensive to me. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. But if I had to rank him, I'd probably put him tight end 17, 18, something like that. But 26, that's just rude. I feel like this is one of those names that's not going to be on. I feel like this is one of those names that's going to be on the sheet that those people that just print out the sheets and and use and go by that, they won't know Anthony Fersker. So this is one of those uh, educational for you listeners that, that are listening to this. You're going to grab Fersker and you're going to probably get him just before your kickers in your defense because most of the people that don't listen to these shows and just go off of draft sheets aren't even going to see his name. And, and when you steal him in the first, well, whatever round you take him, and you start winning weeks because of him, uh, you can thank Scott for that because uh, we definitely are high. I think both of us are high on Fersker. At the end of the day, when you're talking about these reaches for tight ends, we keep going back to volume. If you're the clear number one on the depth chart guy, why would I completely avoid you? I think there's automatically inherently some value on you if you're comparing him to maybe the backup tight end in another team. Absolutely. And even a guy who may be inheriting the job like Irv Smith, again, we, we've seen him in flashes. Or if you want to go Eric Ebron, like first girl over Ebron, for sure, for you, I'm sure. Uh, you know, that's the kind of move you can make, right? I definitely agree with that. Tannehill had 3,800 yards last year, 33 touchdowns. You're not telling me a little bit of that pie can go to first girl because i think it can i think so too uh but doesn't matter what we think anymore because we're going to load up the clock five minutes munaf you get to just play referee tell us what we got wrong tell us your thoughts add add any insight that you want uh and just uh, have at it it's your show for the next five minutes <laughs> well i don't know if i need five minutes but you guys were pretty spot on with all the stats and, and everything um i i think interesting conversation i think the aaron Rodgers dynamic with robin tunyon I, I think is interesting um 
you know, with, with the tight end sets that the Patriots love to use, you know, when they had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, they love those two tight, tight end sets. Now with John U. Smith and Hunter Henry there, we know they don't have a great history of drafting great wide receivers in uh, in New England. So I think that was interesting. The only stat correction that I may have is y'all said that uh, Kyle Rudolph started 13 games. It was only 12 games, but that was the only one that I found. Um, and as far as Julio Jones durability, I mean, yeah, he's, he's last season, I think was the only season where he played nine games or prior to that since 2015, he started, uh, 16 games and three of them, 14 and then 15. So, um, I, you know, Julio is a guy that, you know, last season was a down year for him, obviously because of the injury, but he's been a pretty good wide receiver as far as yardage. I mean, you know, back to 2015, 1800 plus yards, 1400 1400 1600 the only thing with with julio is that he didn't get the 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 touchdowns that we're you know expecting from julio jones so i I think those were the two main things for me um i i wanted to ask you guys since we were talking about this is that would you go noah fan or robert tunyon scott without knowing about rogers i would take fan yeah yeah i agree 100 percent yeah uh, and it was, it's just interesting with these tight ends because, you know, the chemistry that some of these quarterbacks, especially in the red zone, create with their tight ends is really interesting to see. So I know I'm still uh, I'm still scratching the surface with these uh, with with fantasy football coming up in the football season. So it was just great to get on with you guys and, and at least talk about tight ends. But definitely, Rod, I am listening to all your podcasts <laughs> and, and getting ready, getting ready for uh, fantasy football in the football season. So, uh a lot of good stuff. Sorry, just one quick point. Since I know that both of us were down on Goddard, I know that you tend to like some of the Philadelphia teams. You want to try to persuade us? I can't. Well, <laughs> I, I think we've, we've seen we've seen the rumors that Zach Ertz is supposed to be traded, right? And, and we're still waiting for it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's been that Zach Ertz is supposed to go to Buffalo. Has been the rumor, but it still hasn't happened. So I think until Zach Ertz leaves that team. Uh, I agree with you, Scott. Do we trust Jalen Hurts to throw him the ball, whether it's for yardage or in the red zone? I got to see it first before I can trust a guy like Dallas Goddard. I've heard that Zach Hurts is going to get traded for about the last five months. So. Yeah, exactly, right? And it still hasn't happened yet, so we're also kind of waiting for that trade to kind of happen. So until that trade doesn't happen or does happen, I, I kind of want to stay away from Dallas, Goddard, uh, Dallas Goddard. I was giving you a chance to be a true homer and just talk about how these guys are going to be unbelievable, and you just hit me with a one word. No, you know you're kind of right about everything you said about selling on Goddard. Okay, I have, sure. more, I have a more shitty situation down here in Houston, so I'm dealing with figuring out who is going to be our quarterback for the next year. Is it going to be uh, Watson or is it going to be Taylor? <laughs> Ah, well, we didn't even touch on the on the tight end situation over there in Houston. I'll tell you that much right now. There's there's not much we going on no there. Situation. That's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. You ain't. Yeah. I'm tr- I'm trusting any of the tight ends that we talked about over any tight end one that Houston can toss out there, unless they get one of these guys. I don't know. It, it's all up to it. So, uh, all right. Well, Munaf, if that's all you got, man, I, I I guess we had a pretty clean show today, huh? Pretty good. I mean, I was tracking everything, and you guys were spot on with everything. The only thing was that Kyle Rudolph started 12 games as 13, but everything else spot on, man. It's because Scott brings the heat every single time. That's why. He comes armed and ready to fight. I I do my best. Then again, when we're talking about tight ends, and I know how much people care about the stats, 
I was going to make sure I was 100% on it. Instead, I was about 98%. So uh, I got to do better next time, I guess. <laughs> we will always do better next time. In fact, why don't we just uh, close this up? And Scott, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and all over the internet? So you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio. Other than that, the reason why I'm on the show is because I'm doing the SGPN Fantasy Football Rankings with a bunch of other guys. So if you want some help there, we have a full rankings breakdown. We're going to be updating at least twice a month. So stay tuned on that. Other than that, I've also been hanging out with Munaf a lot because I added a lot of his podcasts. So I'm doing the MLB Gambling Podcast, the NBA Gambling Podcast, which I also appear on with Ryan uh, McKee on Fridays. And I'm also editing the Golf Gambling Podcast. If you watch any of those, I usually do a lot of behind-the-scenes work on them. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Munaf, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and all of your wonderful work on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SportsNerd824, like Scott mentioned, NBA Gambling Podcast, MLB Gambling Podcast. A lot of stuff coming down for NBA Finals uh, starting actually tonight, getting on with the boys to do a little preview. But uh, Scott is a man behind the scenes. He makes sure we do everything right. He gets everything out on time. So another opportunity for me to thank Scott for all the work that he does behind the scenes. And he's always a great listener when he's on with our our man Ryan on Fridays. So I always love working with Scott. Absolutely. So here's the thing, guys. Everybody head over to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network website right now because all of our fantasy football content is on there. Again, you can find our rankings. You can find uh, all of the projections that we have, the articles, this podcast. It's all there for you. SportsGamblingPodcastNetwork.com. Make sure you click on the fantasy section and you will find everything you need. Once again, thank you for joining us at the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. We were happy to be back in the mothership, back where we belong and uh, back up on the air. I'm with you again next week, and we're going to talk, I don't know, I haven't figured it out yet, but it'll be good. So come on back for it. (laughs) Once again, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Munaf. We will be back next week with another episode of the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. It's not an option. We've built our walls. It's